0: You're about to listen to a message from Every Nation Church Midrand, the place where people come to be changed and discipled to transform society. What is your way of living? And, yeah, I'm believing God to speak to you. I don't think, I mean, there's only, I I mean, I can share some points and some things from the word, but ultimately he's actually going to have to talk to you and say, listen, Ryan, this is what you must do. Tweak this, adjust this, change that. This is what you must put in place. So I'm believing God that He's going to speak to each one of you this morning. As we share the word, as we, you know, as we, as we speak, as we minister, you know, things are just going to drop, you know, and you're going to have some direction and some clarity, um, which will hopefully take you further and deeper. Amen. So, <clears throat> what I'm sharing on today, I mean, I guess it's uh, there are a lot of directions you can go if you if you put a heading like what what is your way of living. I'd like to talk today specifically. Um, let me put it like this: I think the f- the first time this dropped in my heart was probably about a month ago. Pastor Eric was was preaching. I mentioned it while I was, I think, after I closed the service. Pastor Eric was preaching, and talking about the miraculous and the supernatural and, you know, having to walk in, you know, what, well, having to walk in because it's available to us and because it's there, what God has for us, the power of God, the supernatural, um, all those dimensions, the things which we see reflected in the word, amen? As we've been told so many times, everything in the Bible belongs to us, everything, from Genesis right through to Revelation, everything we see in the life of Moses, Abraham, Joshua, David, what we see in the life of Paul. which which excites me very much. James, Jesus, it doesn't make a difference. If it's in the Bible, it's actually your inheritance. So let's take it a step, not just say, you know, it's something, you know, for it's actually your inheritance, everything written in the Bible. So it's things we can take hold of, things things we can stretch our faith for, things we can say, God, it's written here. This I must see in my generation, in my time, in my life, and then maybe, you know, even in my family, depending on what the application is. Amen. So what what really dropped in my heart very strongly is <clears throat> yeah, absolutely, we must trust God for the supernatural, we must trust God for the for the extraordinary, for the power of God, and you know, to walk in what in what Jesus did and those miracles and the signs and what Paul did and what we see re- we see reflected acts in Acts and the whole of the New Testament and obviously the Old Testament as well. But the one thing which is impressed so strongly in my heart, and this is what I'm believing you know, will get across to you today, is you It's not possible without a change in lifestyle. That's pretty much actually summarised everything I'm going to say today. It is not possible without a change in lifestyle. We cannot, we will not, let me make that clear, we will not walk in what we see in the Bible if we live a different lifestyle. We have to live the same lifestyle that Jesus lived, that Paul, and I'm going to expand, don't worry, before you start thinking, you know, I'm not, so I'll explain it. But we ha- what we see reflected in their lives, we need to live that out if we want to see the same results. Otherwise, it's, I guess it's a break in protocol. It's not fair, if you want to call it that. Um, Old Testament, fine, you know, we could say, okay, we now have Jesus and the Holy Spirit, so there's some advantages we have. But the New Testament is us. There was nothing written after that. You know, this is, that's, that's our direction, those are our guidelines. So we look to there specifically, the whole Bible, obviously, but there are a lot of principles with regards to the operation of the Holy Spirit and all of that that we find in the New Testament that we can draw from. Now, if you look at those individuals, there was a certain kind of life that they lived or certain things which pop up. In the different lives, Paul, James, Jesus. As you read throughout the whole New Testament, there are things you see, even some things we can glean from the Old Testament. Now, what we've got to do is we've got to see, okay, what is, and this is very important. This is critical. What is God saying to me now? What is God saying to me now? Put that in place, and also have a look and see what's the standard. How can I get there? How can I stretch there? You know, how do I take? How, how do I walk in that? How do I apply that in my life? So God's going to say some things to you specifically, make this adjustment, make this change, put this thing in place, do this. You know, um, we're going to get there. We're talking about prayer and those kind of things. He's going to say to you specifically, put those things in place. And you're going to need to. I mean, it's obedience, number one. And God doesn't say anything to you unless it's going to almost work like a, like, not like a rocket, but it's going to propel you somewhere. Amen? And number two, we've got to look, what is the model and say, okay, how can I start applying this? How can I start walking it out? Um, in my context, in my life, and we're going to touch on a bit of this now, but I really believe that the, w- some of the things I'm going to share today, and maybe even this, this, this topic in general, is applicable no matter what your lifestyle is. Amen. No matter where you're from, no matter who you are, no matter how young you are, no matter how busy you are, how old you are, how many responsibilities you have, it doesn't make a difference. I believe that this is possible. And as we start reflecting, and, as, and let me say, as we start trying to reflect more of what the Bible sort of shows forth, I believe that's going to be one of the catalysts, that, because obviously, we, you know, there's things like faith and, you know, all of that we, we need as well to walk in the supernatural. But this is going to be one of the avenues, and I'm bringing it to your attention because I believe we shouldn't miss this out. It's going to be one of the avenues which are going to cause us to step into what's written in the Bible and everything that's written in there. Amen? Okay. So, I was t- yeah. So what I was saying was, I don't. It doesn't matter how how busy you are, how young you are, how old you are. Um, you're still able to walk in. And the reason I say that um, is because if if I, I'm just trying to think where to. Okay. So, thinking about if I talk about how busy one is, um, if I look at someone like the like Daniel, for example. I think it would be apart from maybe Jesus and Paul, but the thing is the reason why I'm using Daniel is because he wasn't in what we would call, you know, full time church ministry. He wasn't a full Jesus was, you know, full time minister of the gospel. There's no job that he had post forty days in the wilderness that we know about, you know, and, and Paul as well. Okay, well Paul was even an exception. He did all he did and he actually worked at the same time. So I mean he was at a he was at a whole other level. I mean you see what he accomplished and he actually worked. If you read one of the one of the scriptures, I can't remember which church he's writing to, he says, listen, we actually worked with our own hands every day, so we were not a burden to you. Can you imagine? like and he still got the ministry results he did. Can you imagine? And tent making, as far as I know, is you know, is probably quite a rigorous. I mean, you know, you you're stretching, you're cutting, you I mean, I would be I don't know about you, but I'm thinking tired by five o'clock. You know, and probably there weren't, you know, working hours back then, I would guess. You know, like what we have now, you know, generally five o'clock, you know, if your boss is asking you to work over that, you know, it's generally sort of not okay. But back then, I don't think those kind of things, you know, those kind of things, we, we go in there with that. But anyway, so um, looking at the life of Paul, like, you know, he got, he accomplished all that he did while working. And there were seasons, yes, which he worked more, you know, and some which he, which he worked less. But he worked, and he still got those results. It's incredible. So I just remember, and I'm not going to get the quote right, so I'm going to have to look it up. But if someone can remember it, they can, they can tell me. But during the, during the World Conference, which we were at a couple of weeks ago, last week, I think it was. and someone, Yeah, last week. Um, Brett Fuller who is the pastor of our Every Nation Church, I think, in Washington. Um, He heads up the North American, uh, all the churches for Every Nation for North America, heads up all of those. And he has got seven children, by the way. So he came down, yeah, (laughs) seven kids. So you can just imagine, and the reason I know is because, like, right before us with our very eyes— he came, this was Campus Harvest, probably like when it was still in Cape Town, so this was, could have been 2004 or 5, it was something like that, it was a long time ago, and he was in Cape Town for the conference, with all seven of his kids at the shopping center, you can just imagine, so... Um, not, yeah, no there's nothing negative you know, so happened, but I'm just saying so like the seven kids were there. like you know, it was not, not, I have seven kids, and you only always think three. you know Martha and James and Julie and and, and Matthew, you like you never see, but you know they exist. So no, that no, they were in front of us. <laughs> now, you look at someone like that again, and he made a statement about not, not confusing. I, think, I don't remember what the word he used, but it was your, your career or your vocation or your job with your occupation. Is that about right? I some of you murmuring, so I know that some of you at least know what I'm talking about. Your a vocation with your occupation. Okay, thank you. So um, your vocation with your occupation. Because, you know, we're, there's, a, there's maybe a, an you, you go to the office every day you know you were for example whatever your your something you go to the office you work on a computer you work on a big piece of machinery you I don't know you're a plumber whatever it might be but then your that's your occupation but your vocation is what we see written in the bible specifically Matthew 28:19 something that you know Rodzani drives home you know with all, he, all as often as he as you know he's given opportunity because you know I guess if the same thing's coming or well, maybe it's Maybe, yeah, maybe we're not there yet. So, go therefore and make disciples of all, na- of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So, that's, the, that's your vocation. We are called to do something. What Jesus emphasized, what Paul wrote about, that's what we are called to forward and to action on a daily basis, regardless of our circumstances or our environment. It's ir- It's irrelevant where you are now you see okay how in my environment can i forward this my vocation is a direct um, mandate from god i think second corinthians chapter 721 i think it says you know we have been he's given to us the ministry of reconciliation he's actually it's given to us so in, all, in other words what that means also all the grace we need to walk it out and establish it we have it It's all, we've actually got it already. So whether we feel, you know, uh, it's going to be a bit difficult or not, it's there inside you already. So, but going back to what I was saying, so we need to have a look and say, okay, within my context, where I am, however I'm doing things, how do I forward this mandate from the Lord? That's what you need to forward and that's what you need to walk out. So that's the primary thing. That's why I wanted to bring up, bring up what he said, but just thinking about Brett Fuller. So if you think from the little bit I've seen from the outside, I mean, it's not, like I've met with him that many times, but you know, seven children overseeing the 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 churches in North America. He was also the chaplain um, for the Washington Redskins, which is a football team. I don't know if he did that in his spare time or I'm not quite sure. Maybe you know, whatever. Half an hour on a Sunday, he just gave them. But but you see another example there of someone who is probably quite busy. But you listen, if you just listen to that 10 or 15 minutes he got given at the World Conference, you know, he was speaking about the book of Amos, and he he went, the amount of research he must have done to get that message, if you listen, you'll understand. I mean, he was talking about background, which he dug, I'm not sure how deep he went to dig all that stuff out. So, but again, that just emphasized what I'm saying about time. It talks about time. How are you managing your lifestyle? What are you doing? What are the priorities? So what are we putting in place and how are we doing? That guy must be busy. Really. Like, I'm sure he's busy. So Paul must have been busy, but look at the results, you know, he he generated. They were off the charts. And uh, by the way, you know I, know, I know a lot of his stuff was written in prison. But, you know, if you take, but, <laughs> yeah, but, so maybe you say he had time. But it, but if you But if you take the prison, if you take the prison time out and you see what the Bible reflects about what he did, <laughs> then maybe his time was even, you know, is even less. If we say Paul was around for this long, but actually that amount of time he was in jail, you know, that's when he wrote his letters, he must have accomplished quite a lot in the time that he had, which may not have actually been that much. Um, So if we look at someone like Daniel, for example, there's there's an Old Testament example. I was thinking of Daniel and probably he was one of the, that's what I'm saying, apart from Paul and maybe Jesus, but I wanted to mention him because he's, you know, a working person for lack of a better word, he was probably one of the busiest people that I've, that I've seen or that I've ever come across. Um, you know, you read all the way to uh, Daniel chapter 6, and you see the kind of responsibility that he had. Uh, maybe we'll go through it in a minute, but it was, <laughs> it was nothing compared. It's probably even above what most presidents have today, the kind of area he was overseeing, what he was responsible for, if you go and read it. That's the amount of responsibility he had. But now you see yet someone, I mean, it's incredible. If you read in, in Daniel chapter 12, there's an angel, there's an angel that, come, I think it's an angel that comes to him, and he says, um, Daniel, you are, you are most, I think it says, you are most beloved, or most beloved Daniel. Now, it's because there was a kind of life he lived. There was a kind of way he operated. There was a kind of lifestyle he had. I mean, if you look at what this guy did, maybe we'll go through some scriptures, but in the, in the midst of the busyness, and, you know, being, as chapter 6 tells us, second in charge of the global world power at the time, because, you know, there were a whole lot, there's 120 satraps, and there were three above them, and then there was the king above that. And he was also, just, you know, just because he had extra time, he was put in charge of, you know, out of those three, he was the, he was the premier one. So, you know, I'm sure that came with some extra responsibility. But yet... You, you look at something like um, Daniel chapter 10, and you see he was reading the book of Jeremiah, and as he was reading it, it became clear to him that Israel was only supposed to be in exile, I think it was for, for 70 years or something something like that, and he says it became clear that that time was up. That was obviously by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I mean, that's where it came from. But what? I'm, but he must have been, what I'm saying is it didn't come some kind of a, you get me, like funny dream somewhere. Oh, go and read the book of Jeremiah, you know. And then like, he was probably reading and meditating on it, which was a custom of his. And that's, and because, or even let me say, because maybe he was filled with the word. Because he would, and he'd read it before. Maybe even while he'd been going out through the day, something dropped. That can also happen. My, my, um theory is that he was probably reading it and then obviously you know something got opened up to him but and that's in the midst of busyness like you've never seen in your life he was a foreigner by the you know he wasn't even local i mean he didn't he looked different he he probably had different i mean in the first three years he was eating vegetables while they were having the king's meat and food and wine and whatever this guy was different do you think he you can you imagine the challenges he probably faced if you think today is difficult with regards to legislation in place, if you say something, you can be charged. You know, there's stuff in place to safeguard us. Back then, he was forcibly removed from his nation, but tied to a chariot with the rest of them, taken off to Babylon, and then, you know, put in this king's development program, whatever, and then he, he went up the ranks from there. Do you think the other guys who grew up within Babylon, who, who were, um, I don't want to call it natural or whatever, like people from the do you think they were excited about the fact that this outside guy was brought in put in charge of them and was rising up through the ranks quite quickly as a foreigner as an in- who, and when by the way when he came in he didn't know the la- he didn't know the culture he didn't know the language he didn't know the literature none of that i mean talk about a big disadvantage this guy i mean talk, he had almost everything that could possibly be stacked against him stacked against him and we read in chapter six that he rose to the highest position of the global ruling power below the king. But now, you, if you look at this guy's lifestyle, you'll see obviously why he did that and what, uh, what what happened. But going back to what I said, he meditated in the book of Jeremiah. He made time and he prioritized it. He did it in the midst of his busyness. Amen. Am I? It makes sense. In the midst of his challenge, in the midst of the difficulty and the hardship, I mean, (laughs) there are probably 20 voices screaming at him all at the same time, maybe even 50 going on in crises and all of that. In the midst of all of that, he still was meditating in the book of Jeremiah. In the midst of that, he prioritized. So let me not, he he made, he ensured that he he spent time with God in the midst of that. In the midst of that, uh, Daniel chapter... I think it's chapter 6 is about verse 10 or 12. It says that <clears throat> he went, he opened his window and faced Jerusalem to pray as his custom was since early days, number one. And it tells you there how many times a day he prayed, by the way. So, is it. Um, so, when he knew the writing, okay, well, maybe I'll say something about that, but when he knew the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room, With his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day. Okay? And maybe it's just because, you know, it was a crisis. Maybe that's why he prayed three times that day. And prayed and gave thanks before God as was his since early days. His custom was three times a day. He'd gone to pray as he usually did. three Guys, in the midst of crisis and busyness and opposition and foreign land, and he prayed three times a day. Probably he had to prioritize it. I mean, let's be honest. There was probably enough work to keep him and a whole staff of secretaries and administrators below him busy You know, for the next 150 years. There was probably that much. But he st- that what I'm saying is he prioritized that. He probably had to push to make it happen. But he made it happen. Um, oh, yes. I wanted to make one comment here. So this is, this is important. And it says, And prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. The sooner you start it, the easier. It's that, it's that simple. Like, life doesn't get any slower Life doesn't get any easier. Life doesn't get any less busy or less difficult. It only, it goes, it's a, it's a graph which keeps on going up. Okay, maybe one day when, you know, you're reaching like 85, your children are sorted and, you know, whatever, and, every, and now you're just kind of adding a bit of value here and there. Maybe then it's, you know, it calms down a bit. You know, um, I don't know. I mean, I'll let you know when I get there. Um, I can't, I can just, I can just theorize. But um, he started this when he was young, He started this in the beginning. That's why as he grew, he continued with this custom. So therefore, it was easy to continue walking it out. You know, we always talk about about something like tithing or giving, and it's the same, you know, when you start early and you continue going. So as was his custom since early days. So that's maybe my first point. You need to start it early. The best time to actually start is now. Because wherever you are in life, wherever you are, it's it's not going to go down. It, It can't. Um, The lottery can only be won by, you know, one in, I don't know, Roland, maybe you know the stats. One in, I don't know, 100 100 million, a billion, I'm not sure. What what I'm saying is like the free stuff handed out to kind of get you here in a shortcut. That that, that can't, that won't happen to your average person. Look, I would never ever buy a lottery ticket in my life. I never have and I never will, just by the way, but I'm using it as an example. So um, that can, and there are obviously ways you can cut corners. You know, there's things you can do sometimes. Oh, we all know this. No matter what your industry is, you can cut corners to get you there quickly as well. Unfortunately, once you get there, you have to maintain it because you're the one who got you there. Yeah, exactly. So it gets more, I mean, it's, you know, yeah, it's not easy. So as was his custom since early days, this is what we've got to do. So my admonishment to you is start today. What is God placing in your heart? What is He saying to you? What do you see reflected in the Bible about lifestyle and what we should do and how we should live? Start putting that in place today. And then, okay, yeah, we'll get, and then see how you can adjust things. See how you can change things. See how you can prioritize. I can't. Te- I'm not going to tell you how to. All I can say is that probably Daniel had enough work to definitely keep him past praying three times a day. So he had to prioritize some things and say, "Listen, this is just what I'm going to do now." And <laughs> it's and th- that's your decision to make. I can't tell you how to do it, and that you must. What your situation looks like, you have to decide, obviously, because it's you know it's your life and your circumstances. But I just want to bring that point up. It's probably what he had to do. It, maybe all the time, at least some of the time, I know. So I leave that with you, and then you can decide how you can you know how you can do it. So just to give you a bit of context very quickly so now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed he went home and in his upper room with his windows open towards Jerusalem he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks as was his custom so talking about the writing signed what happened was so he just been promoted the king wanted to promote him as I said there were 120 what they call satraps over the over the global nation at the time um and America is not even close to what that ruling nation was, not, not even like, doesn't even scratch this, compared to the size and extent of that empire, not even close, so, and then there were three above, and then the king, it said, it, the king wanted to put him on top of the three, so the guys got together, and they said, you know what, maybe this has gone far enough, maybe they tried everything else, so what they were going to do is now, in line with Um, this is my, in line with Daniel's God. They said, look, we can only come up, only if we do something connected with his God, you know, can we pull him. We've tried everything else, you know, to find fault, to accuse him, to intimidate him, to make him feel bad, to make him feel discouraged, to power work on him, whatever it is. We've tried all of those things to, you know, corporately ambush. I'm not sure, whatever is possible. They've tried all of that and it hasn't worked. He's still rising. So they decided, okay, if what we're going to have to do is, it's going to be something concerned with his God. If we, can, if we can link it with that, then we'll get him. So once the writing was signed, mean once the king had signed into law, that anyone who prays to anyone else but the king within 30 days has to be thrown into the lion's den. And this is what amazes me about Daniel. Once he knew the writing was signed, He wasn't going to pray thinking, Ah, they're having some discussions. You know, there's something going on. You know, let me just... It's fine. Let me go for my normal... He knew what the consequences were. And he knew what they'd signed. And and look at this this guy. Look look what he did in line four. With his window. You know? He wasn't praying in his bathroom. So people would know. You know what I'm saying is he was just carrying on as normal. He even opened his window as his custom was. So... I guess the question is, would you, in that context, how would you, you know, would you operate the same way? Wow. Would you respond the same way? It's just a, it's just a thought, you know, apply it how you, how you think it's relevant, but just to give you some context. So that's what Daniel did. <clears throat> I believe we are all busy. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe we are all busy. But we have to, some, we have to make a plan to prioritize what is important. people have done it before. They did it in the Old Testament before the help of the Holy Spirit and all of that. I believe we can do it today. I believe we need to do it. What does that look like in your context? What is God dropping your heart to apply and put in place? What is He speaking today? What has He spoken to you over a period of time? Sometimes you're going to have to push. It might not be that easy. It's probably going to be a bit of a challenge. Absolutely. Let Let me be honest. Sometimes to put this in place and walk out is going to be a bit of a challenge. Where it's going to get you is going to far outweigh where you the challenges you might face. There'll be short, there will be sacrifices. You know, like yeah. Anyway, so if you're if something happens at home, maybe maybe a family member is sick or something, and you can't sleep, and then obviously you have to go to you know you you go to work tired the next day because you haven't slept. So those things happen all the time. Those are normal occurrences of life. So yeah. Anyway. <coughs> okay. Let's see. What, We've already looked at, okay, well, let's, let's look at Paul very briefly. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 18. Let's look at the scripture. I, I quite like it. It's, it's interesting when you, when you put it in the, okay, let's read it like this, and then, do me a, then we'll put it in the amplified version. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Okay, so this is a statement which Paul is making, don't put it yet, okay, no, it's fine, put it put it back to the New King James, we can bring it to the emphasis, so I thank my God that I speak with tongues more than you all, he's writing to an entire church, and he's saying, listen, I, I, I thank my God, he's just giving them, because he's busy speaking about tongues and balance, so he's saying, listen, it's not that I don't speak in tongues that I'm telling you to bring this balance, I speak in tongues more than all of you, so I thank my God, he's not even boasting, he says, I thank my God that, listen, this is my lifestyle, but so I'm standing in this position of understanding, and therefore I'm actually advising you, listen, this is how you should operate. So that's the reason why he brought that up. But it's very interesting if we look at that, because thank my God, you know, I speak with tongues more than you all. That's quite a, that's quite a substantial statement, quite a, quite, a, quite a big statement. Now, it even gets more interesting if you look in the amplified version, and this is, this is what it says, and this is what it looks like. I thank my God that I speak in. I mean, that's because that's what it sounds like to those who are outside, um, those who are not. You know, those are, those are not part of the kingdom. Man. It definitely sounds a bit strange. I thank my God that I speak in tongues, languages more than any of you or all of you. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, this was a church which was so sold on tongues, they were, they, they were just, like, it was the, they thought it was the best thing, even, like, since, since Christmas, and if Christmas never came again, as long as they could really speak in tongues, they were, they were great, they would preach in tongues, they would talk to each other in tongues, like, it was, that's why, I mean, can you imagine, like, you know, so, you're greeting, I, I, you greet someone in tongues, they speak to you back, no, none of us know what we are saying, we're just talking, so, I mean, it's just, you know, I go to, I go up to Anela and I say, and, and she answers me. And we are, and we are inspired. And we are inspired maybe. I ha, there's no, and then if you read, it says, how can he who, under, who occupies the place of ignorance say amen? I, I can't say amen to what she said. I have no clue what she said. She can't say, even if I said it with a smile, you know, maybe, maybe there wasn't a, I don't know, not a smile on the inside, but she can't say amen because you know have a no clue what I'm saying. No idea. This is what they were doing all the time. These guys love tongues. That's why Paul had to say, listen, at the end of the chapter, he's like, listen, by the way, there are even other things that come before, first apostles, then prophets, workers of miracles, and, and then tongues. You know, there's even a, there's even a, no, okay, that's the order that they were released, but he's also just trying to show that there are more things. They're more important things. And he even says, he goes a step further, he says, the greatest of all of these is love. Yeah. So he's like, listen, by the way, there is a, there is a ceiling, and the ceiling is, is, has another name. The ceiling is love. The ceiling is not tongues. You know, you've got it and it's great, but that's not the ceiling. They preached in tongues. They spoke to each other in tongues while they were in church, when they greeted each other. Um, they did that. They spoke in tongues all the time because they thought it was so great. Now, that's why Paul had to bring balance. But now, take that in the context of that verse. I spoke in tongues more than all of you put together. They were completely sold on tongues. And he says, more than all of you, put all of your tongues together, how much you guys pray, and I pray more than that. He was busy. Paul was busy. He had stuff to do. He had people, that, can you imagine, just read through Acts and you can see the guy was busy. Sometimes there was legitimate stuff he needed to take care of. Sometimes there was, you know, someone, you know, just behind him. You know, if he turned left or right the wrong way, they'd throw him in jail or stone him or stab him or shipwreck him again or, you know, whatever it is. If you're not sure, there's a list in Second Corinthians, I think it's chapter 11, 2 Corinthians, a list of all the stuff he went through, you know, five times beaten with rods and, you know, life was life was tough, you know, so... But he prayed in tongues more than all of them put together. In the midst of his busyness, in the midst of his difficulty, in the midst of what he was experiencing, this was his standard, and this was his lifestyle. I'm saying to you today that this is something we should aspire to, this is something we should aim at, and this is something that is possible. It is possible. If someone did it in Paul's context, and as I said, we've mentioned what his context was, and you can read the book of Acts to see... Do it in the midst of that. Then you must know us in, you know, in a place where we are. And I'm speaking generally. I'm pretty sure that most, that almost that no one here has sort of experienced or was experiencing on a daily basis the things Paul was. You know, I can just have this picture of him running and someone, you know, right behind him, you know, everywhere. Like, life was hectic. So I thank my God that I speak in strange tongues or languages more than you. He was busy. He had a lot of stuff to do, but this is what he prioritized. This is what I'm saying. We need to see how we can adjust our lifestyles. We need to see how we can make changes. If we are going to access the supernatural, we cannot, we cannot be living the same. Because there's a saying that says, I think actually my wife reminded me yesterday, I can't remember. But, you know, if you, if you do the same as everyone else, you get the same results. You know, you, get, you do the same as whoever, those are the results you get. You do the same as, you know, you, you, you aspire to if it's something you can't step into tomorrow. You're aiming at, listen, this is the standard. Those are the results. It's that simple. So we need a push, we need a desire, we need to take hold of it, and we need to prioritize it as best we can. Okay, where can we, where can we go from here? Um, okay, let's just, these are some things to make you start, uh, sorry, I just don't, don't want to mention this. Um, okay, so if we have a look at Matthew chapter 15 verse 32. What you'll see there is, and you read, I think, from 32, maybe to 35, or just before 32 and just afterwards. But you have a look there, and you see what happened was, um, Jesus was, that's one of the accounts of, you know, Jesus feeding the multitudes. Um, I think it's the 5,000. And what happened was they continued with him for three days. So they continued with for three days. And it was challenging, and it was tough. And he said, listen, it's so tough that if they leave now without food, they're going to faint on the way. So, I mean, these guys have got to the end of what they could do naturally. You know, they'd, they'd pushed as far as they could. And he's like, listen, I know. If I send them back to villages to go and find f- they're actually not going to even make it. So we have to make a plan where we are. So that's in itself interesting. But it just sort of, the reason I'm bringing it up is then, how far are you willing to go? How much are you willing to do? And more than that, if we, if, we take it, if we take it into a lifestyle context... They followed him for three days. It was a three-day meeting without food. That's what it was. And I know, and mo- most of us, probably myself included, you know, the meeting's coming to lunchtime and they haven't given any snack and it was from break. You know, obviously, you know, you know and because, and we still probably ate breakfast before we left home, probably. You know, and if it's getting to lunchtime and there's nothing, you're thinking, hey, these guys are not serious. You know, <laughs> you know, like, you know who, do they, who do they think we are? You know, we're not coming back here again. So, but this was no food for three days. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got to adjust our lifestyle. <laughs> Yeah, it would be tough. We've got to adjust our lifestyle. So, what I'm the reason I'm bringing this up is we've got to have a look at ourselves and our context and say, listen, how did I view Christianity up to this point? What did what did I see was normal? Do I get upset? And yeah, okay. Do I do I, I do I get upset when a leaders' meeting goes more than two hours or three hours? You guys with me? If we're going to get the results that Paul had and the disciples had, there's a different way we've got to live. I'm going to show you another example now. There's a different way we need to live. And I'm not saying that every leader's meeting must go, you know, until the Lord returns or, you know, kingdom come. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying what we've got, what, Pastor Eric made a statement about redefining Christianity. We're going to do that as a church. And that's where this thought dropped. If we're going to redefine Christianity, the way it's going to be walked out also has to be redefined. You cannot redefine the results without the, the, the path getting there looking different. It's not possible. So that, you're you, I'm just trying to sort of reprogram your mind a little bit. And I'm not saying that we're ever going to have a meeting for three days. Um, but just to say, okay, until now, every meeting, if it's not done in two hours, you know, whatever, you know, life is not Okay. Let's step, let's step out of that and say, okay, let's look at some of the standards, some of the principles. You see the results that Paul got. I mean, he had to teach. He taught overnight at early hours of the morning before he left. Jesus used to teach long, t- three days, and that's why they impacted people the way they did. You know, there's a way you can impact someone in 30 minutes. There's a way you can impact them in three and a half hours. Obviously, the quality for the three and a half, I mean, you know, it's, it's also the, the qualities. You're not, you're not just extending for the sake of it, but the quality has got to be there. But if you have a look at the results and you have a look at the ex- I mean, he taught in um, the school of Tyrannus. It's Acts chapter 19. He, he, schooled, he taught in the school of Tyrannus every single day for two years, and then Ephesus exploded. Literally, that place exploded. But it took, I mean, there was, that's, a lot, that's a lot of time. Amen? Okay, let's look at this, this example quickly. Acts chapter, I think it's 20 verse 7. Yeah, Acts chapter 20 verse 7. Let's pull that up on the screen quickly. Acts 20 verse 7. <coughs> now, in the first, now in the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. This was a meeting. Okay? So continue did we'll go all'll we'll go all the way down to 11 um, there were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together you know you can imagine and in a window sat a certain young man named Eutychus who was sinking into a deep sleep <laughs> so he obviously didn't stand he didn't obviously didn't stand up and go stand at the back so <laughs> <laughs> or, but he was. I guess he decided sitting in the window was a good idea. I mean, he got the air, fresh air part, but um, he was overcome by sleep, it overcame him. And Paul, as Paul continued speaking, he fell down from the th- third story and was taken up dead. Verse 10. But Paul went, this guy, he's like, okay, you know what? He's just quickly pause and then we'll get back to, you know, the point in the middle of Genesis, which I'm busy expounding. Paul went down, fell on him, embracing him. Do not trouble yourselves for his life is in him. Verse 11. And when he had come up, had broke bread and eaten and talked for a long while, even until daybreak, he departed. He's going to, he's like, oh, yeah, You know what, this is a, a child, you know, five minute, whatever, coffee break. Let's go grab something quickly. You know, Eutychus has to be attended to. Let's go sort them out. Okay, yeah, it's fine. You know, hallelujah, bring him up again. And then, you know, hey, by the way, where was I? Okay, let's get back to, you know, Genesis chapter one, you know, when I was talking about in the beginning. And then he continued a long time, a long time until daybreak. Um, and then he departed. So, meeting this meeting, which was probably, you could even call it a leader's meeting. I'm not harping on anyone or any group at all. It's just, and you'll see why I'm trying to make my, just work, you'll see why I'm t- how I'm trying to make my point. So this leader's meeting, whatever it was, continued, obviously not until midnight, but until the early hours of the morning. All I'm trying to say is every, every um, limitation which we've had until now, it has to be broken. Amen. Every limitation. Everything we've thought, Christianity was like this, a meeting was like this, prayer is like this, reading the Bible is like this, reaching out is like this, or only like this, or only I can talk to this person, or only in this context, or whatever. What we've got to do is we've got to remove all of those. I'm not talking about extending meetings from tomorrow, but I'm just saying, if you look at the results he got, and you look at the kind of things he did, then you also have to start a question, well, you know, maybe... <laughs> You know, it, maybe if you extend some things, maybe there'd be some better results. But that is obviously not today's message. Today's message is to say, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to break every mold in every area of your life. Amen. That's what I want to do. Amen. Every mold, like the like the like it says in Romans 12:1 and 2, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed in the renewing of your mind. Amen. Then you'll be able to test and approve what the the the, the will of God is His good, pleasing, and perfect will, and that, and that conformed that that Scripture speaks about being pushed into a certain mould. Yeah. What I'm hoping for today, yeah, okay, being transformed by the renewing of our mind. I want every mould to be broken, and and I, I think I made this clear. But I'm not saying that leaders' meetings from now on are going to go on, you know, five, six, ten hours. But I'm saying, exactly, if need be, so be it. But uh, what I'm trying to say is that let's break the mould on a leader's meeting. Let's break the mold on when I can pray. Let's break the mold on how long I pray for. Let's break the mold on Hallelujah. just every spiritual principle and everything we've done to now. And if what I'm believing is as we pray into this ourselves and as we go and say, God, this is I'm coming before you with this. Show me which areas I need to adjust in. Show me which areas I need to change in. Maybe there are limitations that you've accepted till now, I want those to be broken. Come and show me where I must target. It's that simple. I believe each one of us can do it, and I believe we will get incredible results as we do it. I mean, we can obviously you can change in multiple, multiple areas, but that's not going to be relevant to everyone all at the same time. So one thing you can do this message is actually go before God and say, Listen, God, there were some things I was inspired with today. These are them. And also, come and show me which are the other areas where limitations must be removed. I believe that that's one of the keys to how we're going to really not only transform Midrand, but make the kind of impact that we're supposed to. We can't, there can't be any limitation, any box, any mold. It can't. It has to be removed. So all I'm doing today, like I said, is trying to just open your minds and open your eyes. And then I guess from here, you can push and break molds. You can break them from here. Amen? Okay. So we've looked at Paul. I think we mentioned, we mentioned Jesus briefly. And... We, who else do we look at? We looked at Daniel. Didn't really mention. That's fine. I think we can. Where should we go from here? We mentioned Eutychus. I just want to make sure I cover, but also in the in the right space of time. So, okay. I think we can. I think we can close with this. Yeah. Let me let me close with this. So I want to make one point quickly. This is. This is. This is copyright, and I'll tell you who it's, who it's copyright to in the moment. I'm going to make this one point, and then we're going to continue from there. Let's look at let's look at Jesus just very quickly. Um, Luke 5:15 to 16. You make this point, and then there's one more scripture, two more scriptures. They're more close. So at least I'm being honest. That's actually where we're going. So Luke chapter Luke chapter 5:15 to 16, and. Let's have a look. What does it say? Luke five fifteen to sixteen. <clears throat> it reads as follows. It's very interesting. Verse from verse fourteen. It says, "And he changed and he charged him to tell no one." So he's obviously just cleansed the leper, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony. Excuse me, as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. Verse fifteen. However, the report went around concerning him all the more. And great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So great multitudes came together. So obviously the report is now going out. You know, people with no legs, you know, they are growing. People are being healed. People are being delivered. People are being changed, transformed. Excuse me. And now obviously that's spreading like wildfire because, you know, you don't have to pay for it. And by the way, it's actually happening. So, but now it's interesting what, what happens in verse 16. This is Jesus' response. The crowds are getting bigger Essentially, the demand is getting bigger. So this is his response. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness to pray. That was his response. Because the demand was getting bigger, because the, the stakes were higher, makes me think of Daniel as well. You know, he, if he had it, he started three times a day, you know, from the beginning, so he could continue it. But probably by the time he got up there, he needed more than three times a day. There were times when he would, you know, he would have prayed overnight. There were times when he would have done extensions because of what he was facing. So this is what Jesus did. Because the demand was getting bigger, because there was more need, so he had to push further and go deeper. He had to make another maybe readjustment to his schedule, to his lifestyle. Maybe he'd got to even assist. There might be a bit of a system. But now, okay, the demand's gone higher. I have to make another adjustment. How do I change to fit in with this new something that that I'm facing, that's going on, that I'm going through? Amen? Amen? And this is... What happened? So he himself often withdrew to the wilderness and prayed. And I think that's something important for each one of us. We have to, and how it will look in your context up to you, but we have to make time to withdraw. Yeah. Somehow, somewhere, there's got to be, and yes, your, your time, you know, maybe you do in the morning before work and all of that. That's fine. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying extended time. Mm-hmm. From time to time, each one of us have to, tr- have to put that in somehow there's got to be some extra time to withdraw, connect with God, and restore, and strengthen, and this is where he would have got some of his renewal of strength from, because I mean, the dem- you can imagine, the mul- healing multitudes is not, is a, is a strenuous business, you're healing this one, you're counseling that one, you're delivering that one, you, you know, things are happening all the time, and there's demand on you all the time, so he withdrew, and that's where he renewed some of his strength, but we have to do that and fit that into our schedules. Ladies and gentlemen, this has got to somehow be part of the package. I'm not telling you how to do it, but I'm telling you it needs to be done. I'm telling you it's important. If we look at, you know, the model of, you know, the Lord who is the perfect model for everything. So I guess if he needed to do it, then <laughs> you know, I'm just looking thinking about myself. Maybe I should do it. Uh, maybe I needed to do it twice. You know, every if He did it once a week, maybe I'm going to do it twice because obviously, you know, we are still not even close to Um, where he he was. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. That's what you need to do. Got to put time aside to withdraw. Everything else aside and connect with God. There's a way to put that in your schedule. There's a way to fit that into your lifestyle. God will show you. Amen? Okay. Uh, Let's have a look at Mark chapter 14. So this is my comment under copyright, and I will tell you where it comes from in a moment. Mark chapter 14. Verse 33 to 35. This is how it reads. So this is under copyright from my wife, and I will tell you why I believe this is so important. Uh, It's important to marry the, yeah. It's important for things to happen at the right time. Then they came. Yeah, that was, by the way. Then they came to a place which was named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, "Sit here while I pray." And he took Peter, James, and John, you know, his, his his generals, his 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 core three, with him, and began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, "My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch." He went a little further and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour may pass from him. And he said, Abba Father, all things are possible for you. And then he goes back and he finds him sleeping. He says, why are you sleeping? Pray that you do not enter into temptation. He goes back and he goes back again. He finds him sleeping a second time. He's like, you know what? Then he goes back and prays and he comes back. He's like, you know what? The time is up. Come, we have to go. Then he wakes him and leaves. So the second time he goes, you know what? <laughs> he didn't even bother. I guess he knew that maybe nothing would change. But two interesting things here. Number one, what Jesus did is he left them there and went further. Sometimes you need to go further. Away from whatever, you know, the people around you, going to even to the point I said earlier, sometimes you need to go further. You need to go away, you need to go past. It even extends as far as if this is the standard, sometimes you need to go further. So it just, ladies and gentlemen, it depends on what you want. That's it. It depends on what you want. The Bible is available to everyone. The promises and what you can walk in and experience is available to everyone. What do you want? How far are you going to go? So he went further. And there's times where you need to go further. You need to go past. You maybe need to say, I'm putting time aside. And for whatever reason, this is what I'm going to do during this time. That's going further. That's going. That's taking Scripture and saying, listen, this is the standard. I'm pushing towards something great and higher. And there's a kind of lifestyle I see in the Word, and that's what I want to walk in. Amen? Okay. So because you know what it's going to bring about. So... <clears throat> The, the, comment, the, the comment under copyright is that um, your rela- a relationship with Jesus is not enough. A relationship with Jesus by itself is not enough. And before, I can already see this. I don't even have to look at the faces. So let me explain it. They had a relationship with Jesus. Okay? Now, he said pray. They slept. They had a relationship. He said, pray, they slept. Soon after that, he, went, he said, okay, come, we're going. They went back. Soldiers came. The whole discipleship movement from the last three and a half years scattered, finished, in the space of, you know, one Roman bringing about Jesus. Then soon after that, Peter denied Jesus. I strongly believe. In fact, I'm, yeah, I, let me say I strongly believe because you know the Lord hasn't told me Himself. But I strongly believe that He says, you know, pray that you do not enter into temptation. And what happened very soon after? That, not only did the, the temptation is not necessarily just sin. They are like, ah, oh, crisis, you know, let's all go. And then Peter denied Him three times. That's temptation. He was tempted to deny Him in three situations, and he succumbed. Absolutely, I am convinced. If he prayed, that would not have happened. So it's serious. That's why, you see, you can't always, you have to sometimes go further. You've got to put the further aspect in your life. You have to. Because they just had the relationship. They kept the normal. They kept the okay. And look what the results were. The okay is sometimes not enough. Let me say that because I'm serious. The okay is sometimes not enough. It's that simple. So... We need to be serious about what is the standard, what is the Bible saying, what is it showing, and then trying by all means to, emanate, to Im- Im- imitate that, to push towards that, and to take hold of that. It's serious in that situation. The crisis came, and they they fell, because they didn't do what they were supposed to. They slept. They didn't go further. They didn't push. They didn't go the extra mile. So, I mean, I'm challenging you today. I'm inspiring you today. Go the extra mile. Don't look at what the people around you, how they're living out their walk with God. Don't. If you can be inspired by that, but don't use that as as your standard. Use the Bible as your standard. What are the principles being reflected there? Because ladies and gentlemen, there is so much more that we can walk into, that we can experience and we can access. And this is what I want to close on. 1 Kings chapter 17 verse 1. This is, what I'm, this is what I'm closing on. This is, this is how it reads. 1 Kings chapter 17 verse 1. Okay, I, can, I want to read it from my Bible. It says, <clears throat> And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, and that's speaking of current. There should not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Elijah's statement here, I believe what he was saying is, Ahab, as I stand before you, Pastor Eric's mentioned this before. I heard this mentioned by Pastor Sam the first time a couple of years ago, from some few years ago. As he was standing before the king, he's saying, You know what? I'm actually standing before God. But listen to me on this. The difference is, you know, the same as we know, like the Bible tells us that where can I go to get away from your presence? Whether I go to the deepest levels of hell or whether I go to heaven or whether I'm on the earth, I can't get away. So whether you are saved or unsaved or horrendously wicked, the presence of God is still there. Okay. But we all know, is everyone experiencing it? Is there, is there a connection with that presence? Is there a depth? Two people can be standing next to each other, literally. Someone can be encountering God, and someone else can be just either either far from God or just saying, you know, Lord, thank you for today. There's nothing wrong with that, but I'm saying in the same space. So it's the same principle that the presence of God is everywhere. God is everywhere. This is the same thing. So I always stand before God. All of us always stand before God every single day. When I wake up, I'm before God. When I sleep, I'm before God. When I I'm, when I'm operate well in my family, I'm before God. Not well, I'm before God. This is different. He was actually standing, saying about being before God. I am, sta- I, am, I am before the throne. As I stand here, I'm actually not here. As I stand here, I'm standing. My position spiritually is different. I can see you there, but you know what I'm actually seeing? I'm seeing God, I'm before the throne of God as I make this statement. You see, the reality is, and I remember this is what someone said when he went to heaven one day, heaven and earth, they're not, you know, the way we grew up, and it's fine, although the picture we have in our head is like heaven's here, you know, earth is here, heaven's here. The, the reality is, they, they just they, they, yes, they're different dimensions, but there's literally a veil. There's just a veil that separates them, that's it. And that veil, if you can pierce and step through that veil, you can stand in heaven while you're here on earth. That's the reality. You can, you can, and I'll show you that Jesus said that he made two statements at least about it. There's a statement about Paul, which he, which he speaks about a similar thing. So that's what I'm pushing for. That's what I'm aiming for. He was standing before God, not I uh, am before God. He was before God. He was before the throne of God when he made that statement confidently and with authority. That's where I want us to be every single day. Amen. That's what I want us to walk in. And that's what I want us to experience. Amen. So, but yeah, if you look at interesting, if you look in Hebrews and uh, Hebrews, Philippians um, chapter three, you see the same thing with Paul. He says, you know, I desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is better by far. Which is, but for new, for you, it is more needful that I remain behind. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm bet- I think this is betwixt, or maybe that's the King James, but uh, yes, probably it sounds like a King James, I'm bet- so, fear would know. Uh, I'm betwixt between the two, so, um, and I'm not sure what decision to make, what direction to go in, because, you know, I want to decide to depart, to be with Christ, but it's more needful that I remain. What does that sound like? That sounds like a decision. Did you, does, has that dropped? As that penny drop, it sounds like a decision. Not okay. You know what I desire, and you know once I, I die, and I'm going to go. It like he literally was in a position where he was saying, "Okay, you know what? If I want to depart, I can depart." If I want to remain, I can remain. That's where he was operating. That's where he was positioned, and that's where he was at. He was literally saying, I can decide. I've got to a point where I can actually decide, listen, if I want to depart and be with Christ. I- Spiritually, he's, he's grown to such a, he was positioned in, at such a place where, you- if I want to leave, I can leave. If I want to stay, which is more needful for you, if you look at that verse in that context, with what I've just said, it makes more sense. But, but to be with you is more needful so I'm going to decide to stay. That's where we can get to. That's what's available. If you look in, Jesus makes two statements. He makes one in John chapter 17, where it says, um, they are in the world, but I am no longer. I'm not in the world. Where was he praying? This isn't recorded from heaven. He was in the world. Of course he was in the world. And he's talking about his disciples. They are not in the world. Why? I mean, so they are in the world, but, you know, I'm not in the world. And you're still praying on earth. Why? Because they hadn't got to that level yet. They're still there. You know, they haven't got to this position where I'm standing, I'm literally standing before God when I make statements, when I operate on a daily basis. And then the last scripture is Matthew chapter, where is it now? Okay, I'm going to have to find it for you. It's... No, it's John chapter, I lied. It's John chapter 3, and I think it's verse 13. John chapter 3, verse 13. Let's have a look quickly. John chapter 3, verse 13. Okay, reading from verse 12. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven. That is the Son of Man who is in heaven. He was making this statement to the crowd, and he's saying, listen, I'm standing in heaven. I'm positioned in it. There's a position I'm standing in that I'm operating in, which is, and that's why I can do what I do. That's why I flow like I flow. That's even why the relationship with God I have you know, can, be, can be like it is unbroken. There's a place that I'm standing. Amen. That's what he said. That's available. That's there. Once we start walking in that, <laughs> cities will just Turn on their heads. Nations will, will f- can be saved in a day, literally. Yeah. We've seen it before. Nineveh, nations saved in a day. Nations can be saved in a day. Things will turn around. That's a point we can get to. And what I'm saying is, that's what I'm pushing for. Yeah. That's what I'm aiming for, and that's what I'm driving for. That's my standard. So when I'm encouraging you today, saying, let's remove all the molds, let's remove all the, all the, all the shells, and try and run with what does the Bible say? What is God putting in your heart? That's what I've got in mind. Yeah. So that you can get there. God is also going to speak to you about what is your process and your journey, your way, your path to get there. Yes, they're general principle, we need to pray. But it might look different for each one of us. How it works out, how it happens. Or maybe God is going to focus more on you in this area during this time. Someone else in a different area. That's why we've also got to be open to what He says. Number one, what is he saying? Number two, not specifically in that order, but number two, what is the, what do we see written in the Bible? What do we see written there, and what do we see available? The Lord God before whom I stand. That inspires me, that excites me, and that, you know, it, it does something inside me. It's available, it is possible, and it is there. It's tangible. We, people have gone there before, so there's no reason why we can't get there. It's available and it is possible, but we're going to have to go further. We're going to have to go the extra mile. We're going to have to, whatever we need to do, in fact, God, what are you saying to me? Do it yesterday. You put it in place. We're going to get there. It is going to be incredible. This ministry has come to you live from Every Nation Midrand. For other life-changing messages and more information, log on to www.EveryNationMidrand.org.